Well, today I want to share, I'm going to end my series that started on the week before Easter. We talked about what that week looked like for Jesus on his triumphal entry into Jerusalem. Everybody was excited. They were throwing palm leaves, rolled out the red carpet for him, talked about how great he was and all the miracles he had done. And by the end of the week, they were spitting on him and whipping and torturing him and everything else. So we talked about that the week before Easter and then on Easter brought about what all that entailed. And last week, last Sunday, we talked about what it looked like after he rose from the dead and what his main purpose and focus was is that they believe he was on the earth for 40 days and what he what he what he mainly got them to see was how important it was that they believe what he said even after he's gone I'm leaving in fact in fact in two different accounts in the scripture we see where he rebuked them <clears throat> he rebuked them pretty severely for not believing the reports about the fact that he was alive because for three years he told them that was going to happen, he was leaving, and they didn't believe. And what, his, what he was conveying to them was his concern that after he goes that they continue to believe. And that's, you know, 2,000 plus years later, that is still a, if you will, a concern that... <clears throat> we have to take as the church of Jesus Christ where other people are concerned because, you know, we can go through the motions of Christianity, but if we don't believe the Word, if, if I'm not doing my part at, at learning through the Word to remove every distraction that would keep me from believing, then when Dale comes to me, I'm no good because you can pray a simple little prayer. If Dale has a, if he has a specific need, let's say he's without a job and he needs somebody to agree with him. If, if I don't believe that God will really bring him a job or set it up or put him in a position for the right job, I mean, he's got to go look and he's got to do his part. But if I don't really believe that because I've not removed doubt and unbelief from my life through the Word of God, then actually I'm really no good for him. I mean, you can say a pretty little prayer and you can say something over an individual person, but if you're not believing, if you're not in a position where you're challenging yourself to remove obstacles that hinder you from believing, then you're, then you're actually, I'm not saying that you're no good, because we're all created in the image of God and we're all good. You understand? But we're not, not being good is not the right wordage, but, but we're not being effective and we're not fulfilling the purpose and plan God put us on the earth for. And He put us here, He put us here to make disciples, and He put us here to disciple people, in other words, be an example that other people could follow after, but we've got to be, we've got to be the image of, of Him. We've got to lead people to Christ-likeness, not lead people to who we are, and, and especially not lead people to areas of our life that are unrenewed. That's why it's so important that we daily renew our minds and, and become more like God all the time, because there's other people that we need that, that need us in a way that they can duplicate themselves through us. That's what Christianity is all about. Since, since the day Jesus left, it's been about duplication. But we're to duplicate people in Christ's likeness. Yes? So, 
We talked about, we talked about believing last week. I got a little bit of ring in me. <clears throat> Can you hear the ringing? Thank you. Um, so, my last message in this series that started the week before Easter is, the title of this message is, The Church. Because after he left, then that's what his body became, okay? So, I'm just going to define a little bit, uh, a little bit of this, and, and then we're going to talk about the effectiveness of it. Um, Ephesians 1 and verse 21, far above all principality, power, might, and dominion, and every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the age, also in that which is to come, verse 22, and he, God, put all things under his feet, Jesus, and gave Jesus to be head over all things, to who? The church, which is his body. The Father put all things under the feet of Jesus and gave Jesus to be head over all things to the church, which is his body. What we're talking about today is now the continuation of the life and the body of Jesus Christ through the church. I'm the church, you're the church. Say that, I'm the church. Say that again. Okay? You're the church, but we're the church. But the church is only as strong as its weakest part. That's why if you don't see yourself as the church, then you'll just kind of, you, you can kind of get away with all kinds of stuff and just roll the responsibility over onto the rest of the church. Well, so, so, so what are you saying, Pastor, that, that, uh, that the church can be hindered if I don't choose to be the part I was created to be? That's what I'm saying. That's what he said. That's what, that's what the Bible says. So, we're the church, which is his body, and we're, we're so I'm the church, you're the church, we're the church, right? And we're only as strong as our weakest part but we're made up of all these different parts. That's what makes us unique. Jesus, the difference in Jesus and all of us, there's several differences, but one of the differences is he, he was, you can say that he was the church in its totality because his one body made up everything that you and I are together. Pretty interesting and pretty unique. God set it up that way. Because he wanted us to learn to work together and live together and operate together in spite of each other, in spite of our differences. He wants us to live and operate and, and live in this life and be effective. So when you don't, when you and I, and, 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 you, and your own ability, you're not, you're not going to deal with unforgiveness. You're not going to deal with a root of bitterness inside of you as the scripture talks about. You know, somebody been ugly to you, you're going to be ugly back because that's human nature. But when you work these things out 
and you learn to judge your heart and judge issues and deal with those issues through the power of the Word and through the power of the Spirit of God, then it begins to line you up and position you to be an effective working part that's not contaminated by things of the past. And when your part is right, listen to me, a right part is going to help other parts be right. But a contaminated part is going to contaminate other parts. It's just the way it works. You can have you can have you can have a basket. You can go to the store and buy you a a, a bag of apples or a you know a bunch of different apples. Stick them in a basket on the middle of your table, and they're real pretty. And underneath, there's one that's bad, and that bad apple will contaminate all the rest of them. And before long, they'll all be weak and bruisey and nasty looking. I mean, you know, try it. Find a bad apple, stick it in the middle of a bunch of good ones, and notice that the good apples will not make the bad apple good. And it's the same way in life, on your job, in your family, family situations, in church situations, and all all of it. It's the same way. So if I take responsibility and make things right within me, then my right part, my right part, okay, is going to help others to make themselves right. Because how do you get, how do you not contaminate those, the rest of those apples? Take the bad one out and throw it away, right? Same way with us. Take the bad stuff out and get rid of it and be good, (laughs) right? Well, Pastor, what's good? I don't know. Figure it out. Amen? (laughs) Anyway. So, so, Matthew 28, Matthew 28 is where Jesus left. This is what, where we kind of left off. And, uh, Verse 16, Matthew 28. And the eleven disciples went away into Galilee to the mountain which Jesus appointed for them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Amen. And that was it. Now, in Acts chapter 1 and verse 1, we see Luke giving account or, or giving his account of, of the end of the end of the time with Jesus. And the former account I made, O Theophilus, of all that Jesus began both to do and teach, until the day in which he was taken up, after he through the Holy Spirit had given commandments to the apostles whom he had chosen, to whom he also presented himself alive after his suffering by many infallible proofs, 
being seen by them during 40 days and speaking of the things pertaining to the what? To the kingdom of God. In, a, in other words, pertaining to the church on the earth. The kingdom of God on the earth is the church. The kingdom of God in its expression on the earth, okay, on the earth, is the church. And being assembled together with them, he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you have heard from me. For John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Therefore, when they had come together, they asked him, saying, Lord, Will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? And he said to them, It's not for you to know this times or seasons which the Father has put in his own authority. Isn't it amazing? You know, they, they wanted to know about his second coming, and he just left. This is when you're going to establish all these things? And he's saying, You know what? You don't need to know this. He said, But you shall receive the Holy Spirit. But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem, in Judea, Samaria, and to the end of the earth. God, through Jesus Christ, left the earth, and he empowered us to be what? Witnesses, examples. He has empowered you and I to be free so that we can be free to advance his kingdom. That we can be free to establish his church in the earth. And, and today, in, in this talking of the church, the main purpose of the church is to make disciples. He said, go and immerse people in the revelation of Father, Son, and Holy Ghost, and make disciples of all nations. And, and the purpose of the church is to make disciples. And just think of this simple statement. Disciples make disciples. Right? Like ducks make ducks. Right? So until you become a true disciple, until you become a person that has been discipled, and you become a true disciple, you won't disciple people in the understanding of what Christ's purpose is in the earth. What is the purpose that we just read? To advance the kingdom, right? The kingdom advancing is the church, his body being everything it was created to be. Remember, you're the church, I'm the church, but we make up the church. And in spite of our differences, in fact, our differences is what make us so unique. If we will learn to draw from each other instead of be offended by each other, then the church will accomplish all it was created to do. Right? Now, just to confirm that, let's look at a few verses of Scripture. Um, John 8. Just to confirm this point. John 8 and verse 31. And Jesus said to those Jews who believed him, If you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed. 
So, so what is a disciple? A disciple is somebody that takes certain information and it becomes part of them. You know, you, you, can, be, you can be a disciple of Disney World because you know everything about Disney World and you know everything about Walt Disney himself and you know everything about how everything operates there and so you can be a disciple because you got all the information and you had the experience and, and multiple experiences and you understand it and so you can tell everybody about Disney World. But to be a disciple of Jesus Christ, it takes the information of this book going into your head and you being able to process the information you get, but that information going from your head to your heart and it being a part of you. To where you become as enthralled with the revelation of the Word as you do Mickey. Because if you like Disney World and you go there year after year after year, then you tell people how great it is. And it's great. I've been there. And it's nice and it's relaxing and it's soothing. And, 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 and you get these certain feelings at Disney World. It's a great place. But when the Word of God becomes real to you, there is a soothing place and it doesn't have anything to do with the natural you go to Disney World and you, you, you struggle to find a piece of paper on the ground. If you step on gum and you take your shoes into the office, they'll probably replace them because the place is manicured. And the manicured grounds give you this sense of like comfort and a good feeling. But when the Word of God gets down inside of you and it becomes a part of you, and it becomes real to you. It's not based on what you see with your eyes or how you feel in the natural. It becomes something that's real. And every time an offense tries to rise up, you shoot it down. Uh, I'm not letting an offense rob me from my part being pure so that I can be in a place of agreement. So when some sick person comes to me and asks for me to agree, boom, things change in their body. And what happens, and you saw this with Jesus time and time and time again, his faith so many times overrode the unbelief that was in other people's because his faith was so strong. I was in a, I was in a gym one night working out, and uh, it was late night workout. And uh, a guy was in there, and he said... Uh, he, no, there was a guy in there that I had prayed for, and he, he saw me, and he came to me, and he, and he told me, he said, he said, uh, Pastor, he said, uh, you know, you prayed for me, and I'm well. And he said, I couldn't work out, and now I can work out. And, and there was another guy that, that was like from me to Chad, and he was working out, and I could tell he was struggling. I didn't know who the guy was, but this guy was openly telling me how he had been healed in his body after I prayed for him. So this guy comes over and says, I don't know who the guy was. I don't think that the guy knew the guy that was talking to me. He just came over and said, hey, will you pray for me? I mean, you know, 
the guy was born at night, but prob- you know, not last night. I mean, he, he's smart enough to think, well, that guy prayed, and now he's working out, and that guy prayed for him, and so he had faith in the fact that I had faith to pray. Why? Because... I've been working for 35 years at removing contamination that would hinder me from being able to pray effectively. You see, and it happened because, see, I'm the church. See, when it comes to blame, see, see, people don't want to take responsibility for their actions, so they blame the government. Well, if the government wasn't so, no, no, no. See, when it comes time to taking credit for something, it's about the whole church, and that's the way it should be. But when it comes time for taking responsibility, I've got to take responsibility as I'm the church. Did you get that? And we just have to learn how to do that. I mean, I've been at this for 35 years. You know, you, you can ask my wife. She knows me better than anybody, and it's not been easy for me to do. Because I was a blame someone else kind of guy. I was a justifying my position kind of guy. And I've had to have my mind renewed. And I've had to stay with it and stay on it. Because I let it up and I let go. And, and well, you know, at least I don't do this anymore. No, if, if I get involved in that, then sooner or later you find, I find myself being contaminated with these things that are not right. And this justification mode that will contaminate my part of the church, I'm the church, but I'm connected to all of you and everybody else on the planet. And i got to be right. And I have to take that responsibility, and i got to work it out. And if it was easy, everybody would do it. Right? If this was easy, it'd be a multi-level marketing thing, and everybody would be making money on it. Nothing wrong with multi-level. I'm just saying... It'd be a pyramid thing, and everybody would be making money at it. It's not easy. It's the hardest thing on the planet to be the part you were created to be and work at it and get free, but that's what he left us to do. We're the church, okay? We had Easter week. We had the week talking about the 40 days he was here and what he was training and really working with his disciples, and then he left, and he's been gone for 2,000-plus years but he left us his spirit, and he empowered us with his word, and we can do this thing, and we've got to be these disciples so that we can make disciples. Disciples make disciples, yeah. right? right? Don't forget it. And what, what are the goals of discipleship? Number one, love God. The goals of discipleship, these are pretty deep, okay? Number one, love God. Number two, Make disciples. And there's not number three. Those are the goals of discipleship. Number one, love God. Number two, you make a disciple. Number one, you love God and all that entails. And you develop a love and a passion for God. And number two, you make disciples. But you make disciples, you make disciples with and out of and from the love that you have for God and the understanding of how much God loves you. That's how you make disciples. So, we're here to make disciples 
In Matthew 16, Jesus talked about his part. Verse 18. And I also say to you that you're Peter, and on this rock, well, just back up to, let's back up, take them a minute, but back up to verse 16. This is where his disciples came to him and said, you know, people say that you're Elijah, Jeremiah, one of the prophets. And so Jesus asked his disciples, who do you say I am? And then in verse 16, Peter jumps up and says, you're the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus answered and said to him, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my father in heaven. The key word there is reveal. See, there's some revelation, Peter. You're blessed, you're empowered because there's some revelation. You're the Christ, the Son of the living God. And you couldn't have got that except from revelation of Father. And watch this. And I also say to you that you're Peter and on this rock. What rock? Peter? No. No, thank God it wasn't Peter. On the rock and not you or anybody else. On this rock, the rock of revelation, Jesus said, I will build my church that the gates of hell shall not prevail against. I will build my church. When Jesus left, he told his disciples, go make disciples, right? And here he says, I will build my church on Revelation. Well, what he was telling his disciples in Matthew 18 was not go and water baptize people in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost and argue and fight over how you're supposed to water baptize. He didn't say that. He was telling them, go immerse them in the revelation of who Father is, who Son is, and who the Holy Spirit is. And when you immerse them in revelation of Father, Son, and Holy Ghost, what can happen? <clears throat> People have that revelation, and then they begin to be a disciple of Jesus. Then God can build His church with people who are working at decontaminating their lives, their minds, their thinking, their attitude, their emotions. And when you decontaminate yourself... You're, you, are, you begin to be a candidate that, that God can build His church with. The reason people look around and say, well, you know, all the things that are going on, it's because, you know, God's in charge. No, He's not. No, God gave charge in the earth to man. And the, and, and, but yet man can't work it out in the earth unless we submit ourselves and, and become disciples and then make disciples. Problem is... There's one of us here and one of us there and one of us here. And in between, there's 100,000 other people that don't think like God. They may be born again, but they don't think like God. So after Jesus left the earth, what he left us by his spirit was the empowerment to make disciples so that God can build his church. And the church is the extension of his body from the day that he left. Yet, his body, when he was here, he was the totality of the church. Now, his body on the earth is made up of all of us coming together and being willing individually to decontaminate our thinking so that we think like God and then we operate like God. And we step out in faith and believe God for this thing, that thing, and the other and help other people believe God. You understand? And when we are wrapped up in that, God can build His church. If we're not wrapped up in that and we don't live our lives for that, God can't build His church. 
That's why it's been, you know, the, 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 the first disciples, apostles, thought that Jesus was coming back in their lifetime. And you know what? So is everybody else. So did the guy that wrote the book, 88 Reasons Why Jesus is Coming Back in 1988. Let's see what, it's 2013. Anyway, he wrote the book and he didn't come back and, and I, you know, whatever, but people have been thinking that for the last 2,000 plus years. But what's the key? You find it in 1 Corinthians 15, and we won't talk about it today, but you find the key that it's the church. And the church has got to walk in the enemy being under their feet. The enemy's defeated. He belongs under our feet. But we stay contaminated in our thinking and our attitudes. Then he appears to have power and dominion. And it appears like things that we see are bigger than what God says is true. And that's what robs the whole earth. Because the only savior to the earth is the church. Jesus has done his work. He's done it all. He is our Savior. He delivered us and set us free. But now we've been commissioned. The great commission was to make disciples. And in this church in 2013, when we cast vision this year, vision was about making disciples. It's about you focusing on somebody all the time. You having one, and you may have five ones, but you having one that you're going after that you're leaving the comfort of, of just coming to church on Sunday and leaving the comfort of what you think Christianity is, leaving the 99 and going after the one and not just poking and prodding around, but going and, and doing whatever it takes to see that person one. And in most cases, it's not preaching to them, it's just loving people, just being natural with people. But realizing that your first commission in the earth is not for a career, you're not on this planet for a career. You're here to reconcile people back to God. That's our position. That's what Jesus came here to do. Now we're the extension of his body. We're called the church. And it takes all of us together, coming together, to see that thing established. And that's what, that's what will win the world. Listen, the government is not our problem. Who's in the White House is not our problem, one way or the other. It, it, in fact, if you like who is in the White House, that's not your answer. If you don't like who's in the White House, it's not your problem. Just think about it. People are not our problem. We wrestle not with flesh and blood, but principalities and powers and rulers of the darkness. You say, well, pastor, what does that mean? Figure it out. Figure it out. If the Bible says that, then that's the way it is. People are not our problem. People have to be our focus. Because that's all that heaven looks at today is people. It's not about buildings and it's not about ministries and not about how successful you are. God's looking at people and he created us to have a heart for people. And the more we think people and the more we think about people and think about being an, an example to other people and leading them to Christ-like attitudes and attributes in our life, then what will happen is that they'll change. And most of the time you win people without a word. You don't preach to him. That preach, it, man, you know, when I first got saved, man, I preached to everybody. I'd be in restaurants, and I'd, I mean, one time I was in a restaurant, I was standing on a table thinking I needed to preach to the whole restaurant. The good thing you weren't there. You would have been really embarrassed. I'm embarrassed even thinking about doing it. Hmm? 
I mean, I'd, I'd be somewhere, I'd, I'd be working and I'd be at, 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 at lunch break or something and standing in line at a, I was standing in line at a Burger King one time and I just turned around. It was a captivated audience. I thought, man, I might as well just preach to them about things I've been learning. Told the whole place. And you know what? Most of them just ignored me. And I mean, you know what? For the most part, that really doesn't do a whole lot unless God really led you to do it. And I really wasn't led to do it. I just heard someone else do it. And I wanted to try it. And it really just didn't work. You know, and so most of the time, it's gonna, you're going to win people without a word until they start asking you questions. That's not every time. That's not every situation. I'm not saying don't be bold and, and, and say something that's right. But don't offend people. We're not here. We're for people, not against people. And don't put your Christianity on somebody that can't swallow it. Just love them. The kindness of God leads a man to repentance. Not your many words and how eloquent you think you are, which you probably aren't, you know, and all that. Right? So, God is building His church, right? He's building the church. And in Revelation, we won't go there, but in Revelation 2 and 3, you can go and read about the church the churches in Revelation 2 and 3, and it's John's letters from what Jesus spoke to him about the churches, and, and he said to, him, to them that overcome that these things would happen, the crown of life would be given to them, that victory would come to those that overcome, and we've been created to overcome in our minds so that we don't stay the same, that a year from now you won't be the same person that you were before. And, and the more you change mentally and in your thinking, and the more you change about who you think you are and how God sees you, the more you have power to be a blessing to other people. In other words, get our minds off ourselves and get it off onto what is really the heartbeat of God, and that's people and people's lives. Amen? <clears throat> in Acts, in Acts uh, 2 and verse 47, after the day of Pentecost had come, it says this, uh, in verse 46, start, 46 and 7. So, continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, they ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. Watch this. And the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. And that's God's purpose and plan, is that daily people be added to the church in being saved, in being set free, in being delivered, in, in, in coming out of themselves and being able to be who God created them to be, and, and understanding that. Listen, you can tell people all day long what they need to do, but until it becomes revelation in them, they're not going to make the change. Did you hear me? You can tell people all day long, well, you know, that's wrong. That's really not the best approach. When our children were little, if one of them had something that the other one wanted and it, was, and it belonged to the other child, you know, m my approach was grab it out of their hand and give it to the other one. Don't do that. Two years old. And they're going, ah, I got that figured out. Okay. <laughs> no, no. My wife's approach was, give them this thing, oh yeah, and they drop the other thing and give it to them. 
See, it's, it, it's our approach. You tell somebody they can't have something, they want it that much more. You tell them what they're doing is wrong, they'll hear you for a little while, but then they get out of your presence because all you're doing is making them feel bad about something they don't have the power to overcome. It just doesn't work. So, you know, don't go after one and try to clean them up before you bring them here. Be a blessing to them. Accept them the way they are. There's nothing that they do in the natural that is a shock to God. I don't care what it is. I don't care what kind of lifestyle they have. I don't care what kind of things in the natural they do. Yeah, but Pastor, we bring that in the church and then it's going to contaminate the church. No, no. You, you realize who Jesus ate with and he spent all his time with? And you know what? Not one of them contaminated him and got him to change to the other side. Not one of them. Not one of them contaminated him. And, he, and we read in the scripture, well, Jesus started remembering what the devil offered him over there in the beginning. And he decided because it looked like what these guys had was better than... No. We don't read any of that. We don't read none of that. Why? Because he was so filled and confident that what God had promised, he would do. And what God promised was so much bigger and better than anything that the world could offer... And there was nothing that the world had. So you know what? I mean, there's no contaminated people here. But I'm saying any of the contaminated people from outside that come into the church, you, know, you understand? We'll be able to handle all of it. See? Because we're removing the contaminations in us. So what they have doesn't find a place in us. That's why you have to do that. But you know what? We'll deal with the messes. and We'll deal with attitudes. And we'll deal with the people that are just, you know funky and they got all kinds of weird ideas because I don't know about you I've been doing this for 35 years but in the first 18 years of my life I had some really weird stuff and it took a long time to get rid of that really weird stuff really weird you know but now I'm totally free anyway we won't go there so let, let me finish this hold on so let me finish. So we're building the church. And the third thing we're doing, we're making disciples. Jesus is building his church. And from what he has empowered us with, we are changing the culture that is around us. We have to change the culture and the thinking around us. And, and I'm not going to look at it, but go read Luke chapter 15, the whole book. And it talks about the lost sheep, the lost coin, and the lost son, right? And none of those, none of those make any sense. Why would you leave your 99 sheep and go look for one? The wolves are out there. He left them in the wilderness. In the wilderness is where he left them. And he went looking for the one. Doesn't make any sense. Why go look for one coin when you got all these other coins? Why be passionate and throw a party for a son that squandered all of his wealth and had attitude in doing it? Why go after that one? Doesn't make any natural sense. That's the culture we're changing. We're not people that are going to operate based on the sense realm. We're people that are going to operate based on word realm and spirit realm. Amen? And if God says you go after one and get out of your comfort zone, 
and focus on one person, then that's what we do. God says rejoice when one that's been, you know, that deserves to die and be in hell comes into the kingdom. That, he, hell wasn't created for men and women. Hell was not created for mankind. It was created for the devil. Right? So if he didn't desire for one to perish but everybody to come to the saving knowledge, then there's not anybody that can't be saved. I don't care what you've ever been taught. That's the truth of the word. And we're changing culture and we're changing thinking where that's concerned. Can you say amen? amen. And I want, to end with, I want to end with this verse. Last verse. 1 Timothy 3. We read this a lot. <clears throat> but to me, this is how culture changes. There's more involved in that. But, but, but without what I'm going to read to you in verse 15 of 1 Timothy 3... That the culture can't change. But it, Paul says, but if I'm delayed, I write so that you may know how you ought to conduct yourself in what? In the house of God, which is the church, okay? And then, and, and I'm not adding this in, 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 uh, in error, I'm adding it based on another verse that we just read, okay? So he said, how you should conduct yourself in the house of God which is the church, which is his body, right? The church, which is his body. The church of the living God, the pillar and the ground of truth. Okay? So the importance of the church and what we know of as the church, which is, which is the coming together of all the individual churches or the parts that make up the church, that the truth that's being preached, what I'm saying to you today is something that you have to work out inside of you. You've got to believe that you were created to make disciples. That means you've got to get in front of people some way, somehow, and you've got to begin to be a, a, a witness over time. I'm not talking about pressure. I'm not talking about anybody pressuring you doing that. If God wants you to do that, you've got to work that out. What does it look like? Who is somebody that you could... Because, see, what we're talking about is what it was like the week before Jesus was crucified, the week and the time that he was crucified, the 40 days after, and now the church, because the church is the extension of his body. So, so what does it look like? And what it looks like is we've got to be involved in the Great Commission. He's already done everything to establish the church. But in the Great Commission of making disciples is the revelation of who Father, Son, and Holy Ghost is, and that becoming real to us so that in that revelation we can change culture. What is culture? Culture is just based on what people think. Who would have ever thought that culture would have been about somebody wearing jeans with holes in them? I mean, my children had to tell me that was culture, you know? Yeah, buy, buy that pair, okay? That, that, that's the pair I used to get rid of or make shorts out of. Culture changes. Well, Pastor, I just, I just, shut that up. I just what? Shut it up. 
You don't have to like it. You got to flow with it. It's not going away. I, I don't. I don't you know, this technology stuff, man, it's just so overwhelming. I mean, instead of saying that, just say, you know, this technology stuff is, wow. But you know what? I'm going to stay with it as much as I can. I'm going to stay as close to it. I'm not going to wear myself out like I see maybe other people do, but I'm going to stay with it. I'm going to learn it. I'm going to get it. You know? Or you stay trying to find a payphone in the airport. Why would you want to do that when you could carry your own phone with you? Unlimited minutes. You know what I'm saying? Let's change. Only thing that is certain today is change. That's it. Other than the fact that God will never change. Certain. Absolutely certain. Amen? So... Today, as you leave this place, <clears throat> remember that there is a one out there that you've got to begin to position yourself. Now, don't raise your hand whether you liked this word today or not, but just think about, sit there and think about maybe somebody you think that you know that might like a word like this, that could relate to it, you know? Last year or so, there was somebody here. They're not here anymore, but somebody came in here and they came up to me after the service and they said, they said, uh, you know, I really like that. I really like that. It's not, and he mentioned another denomination or whatever. It's not like that denomination. I said, cool. I mean, he liked it. And, and, and yet in the natural, see, somebody that would have allowed their mind to think that somebody like that couldn't receive, they liked it. It was the first time. The first time they'd ever been in a church like this, and they liked the Word. There are people that would like this place, and the thing about coming here is just that we've got something that a lot of people need. And that's, what, that's where, that's part of your responsibility is to lead people to the church and lead people to a place where the ground and the pillar of truth, truth with, that the church is is what will help to change culture. We all begin to change because we think the same way. You say, well, it's kind of like brainwashing. Call it whatever you want. But I don't know about you, man. 35 years now, my brain has been, been washed. And it's been washed with the Word of God. And man, where I would be today had it not been for the brainwashing of the Word of God. Whew. Man. Man. Hmm? Where you and I would be today. So remember this. Receive this Word today. And know that you've been commissioned to be the extension of the body of Jesus Christ in the earth. Amen?